Hello friends, welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. My name is Brad and I serve Hillside Church as the lead pastor. We're so glad to be able to share God's word with you in this way. God has so much in store for you and for your life. And one of the ways God works in our lives is through the study of his word, like the message you're about to hear. Our prayer for you is that as you share in this message, if it's me preaching or if it's someone else, is that God's word would minister to your heart and life in a most powerful way. Thanks again for being part of our church family. God bless you. This week, uh, for our sermon series, looking at the life of Noah, um, we're actually, we finished Genesis chapter 6, and so now we're moving on to Genesis chapter 7. So you can turn there in your Bibles today if you would like to follow along. I've got my water with me this morning, so hopefully nobody has to bring me anything. We'll see how this all goes. But we've been looking into this incredible account of this man named Noah and and what God had called him to do. And what we've looked at it through Genesis chapter 6 is that the state of humanity has just fallen apart. People have fallen apart. That the world has become corrupted and evil and everything has just fallen to to pieces. And and God looks at the state of humanity and, and he makes an incredible decision incredibly difficult, incredibly even hard to understand, he decides that it's time to start over again, that humanity has lost it, and he needs to rebuild from the ground up. Except for one, <clears throat> except for one man, that is, a man named Noah. God had a different plan for him. See, it can be funny. Um, One of the great questions that that we have in our lives that we all wrestle with and at different ages and at different times in our lives, we all will wrestle with the question, what's God's plan for my life? What is it that God wants from me? What what does God want from my life? You know, as, as teenagers, you wrestle with, what does God want me to do as an adult? As an adult, you wrestle with, what does God want me to do as an adult? And we just walk through life, what is God's plan for my life? But sometimes when we find out what it is that God wants from us, what God wants for our lives, it's not just relative peace and prosperity, and to enjoy the rest of your life. Sometimes, and for some seasons, like Noah found out, what does God want for my life? Sometimes, in some seasons, what God has for you in your life is to build him an ark. And when Noah discovered the will of God for his life, it wasn't all the days of your life you would just go on and prosper and it would be wonderful. He discovered the plan for my life is to build an ark. And so God shows up in Noah's life and gives Noah the plan for his life. Let's look at what Noah commanded him to do. This this man, this righteous man, was commanded to build a truly gigantic boat, roughly the size of a football field. Mentioning football fields, go stamps, go. It's going to be a great day. And the height of a five-story building. Why? Because it was going to rain for 40 days and 40 nights, and there was going to be this flood. Only one, well, not only one difficult thing, there's like eight difficult things, but one of the difficult things is, is that Noah had never experienced rain. <clears throat> so how hard it would have been for him to fully comprehend what was happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
Noah, build me the biggest boat the world has ever seen for this thing that's going to happen that's never happened before so that you can save all of the animals that I'm going to bring you. What a call on your life. What a, what a moment to hear from God in the most intimidating way. And it's interesting because the construction of the ark doesn't occur in the Bible. There's no story of how Noah builds the ark. The construction of the ark takes place between chapter 6 and chapter 7. In chapter 6, God gives Noah his instructions. And at the end of chapter 6, <coughs> we're simply told, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. And then we turn to chapter 7. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark. Apparently it's built. So whatever, however, whatever it looked like, we don't get any stories of, of Noah hitting his thumb with a hammer. And we don't get any stories of, of supply chain issues and all of these things. We just got, Noah did everything. And then in chapter 7, it's done. God says to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this, <coughs> sorry, in this generation. Chapter 7 opens with Noah telling God it's time to go inside. What God told Noah to do here takes... Somebody else is a saint. Thank you, my friend. Um, God tells Noah, go up into the ark. But Noah does everything that God commanded him. Now, it's not recorded, but it's kind of a part of the story that we all tell ourselves. And it all kind of makes sense that, that Noah would have had to have put up with a lot of ridicule. People laughing at him, mocking him. He's doing this thing. He's building this gigantic boat to solve a problem that doesn't exist to do what sounds insane. The, the raining and the floods were foreign ideas, but the size and the scope of the boat was massive and made it even wilder. And then to compound it on top of that, the reason for the size and the scope of the boat to house every kind of animal to be spared from this coming rain and flood. You, you want to talk about crazy. That sounds crazy. That, that's just about the craziest part of this crazy story. That if you look at all of the parts, the fact that all of the animals are supposed to come and live inside this boat. What on earth is that? How do you explain that to your friends and family? That I got to build this big boat and the reason is because I'm going to have all of the animals come and live inside here. That's a, that's a crazy idea. Could you imagine the Facebook coverage of this? The, the stories, the, the memes that would come out of this, the, the, the posts of this crazy guy on the outskirts of Airdrie is building this giant boat because he says that it's going to rain. It's never rained before and he's going to have... We, we, everyone would mock him. We go, that's in, what is this? This is crazy. People would probably come for miles to see what this crazy old man is doing. But we read that Noah just obeyed God. 
Now, little Sunday school quiz here. And if you're part of our, our small group, you can't answer this because we talked about it on Sunday. But how many of each animal did Noah take on the boat? Hey, Maria. <laughs> how many, how many, how many animals of each? Seven. You're, you're part of my small group. You're not allowed to answer. We, we've been told two by two, right? Two of every animal. Well, well, let's read the next verses. Take with you seven pairs. Seven of every kind. There you go. So we'll have to, we can do some, some digging into the text to see what it says there. What translation do you have, Maria? NIV 1984. All right, well, we'll look at, but either way, uh, seven, uh, or seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal. So there it is. There's where the two by two, it's all the un, unclean animals, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep the various kinds alive throughout the earth. Nothing really to note here about that. You know, this isn't some kind of like, point that we're going to make, and this is the jumping off point for our sermon, but just other, other than to say that sometimes there's more details to the stories than, than perhaps what we've learned in Sunday school, or perhaps what we think we know, which is why it's so important to revisit these stories, and it's so important to, to read your Bible, because if you've been a Christian for a long time, we can fall into the trap of thinking, I know all the stories. I know them all. God brought all the animals two by two and they went up into the ark. That's, that's, what, that's what the Bible says. Until we read the Bible and, oh, huh. So I just want to encourage you with that, to take time to be in your Bible. That, that I know it can seem like, even as I said, we're going to do a sermon series on the book of Noah. Probably a handful of people were like, oh, I know that story. I know exactly what happens. I've known it for years. But there's just an encouragement with that. Verse, verse 4 will go on to say, seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. And Noah did all the Lord had commanded him. We go back to that, that thought. Verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. Verse 7 says, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his, or his sons and his wife and his, or Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Time finally comes for, for the next stage in this as we've been building and building and building the ark. Finally comes for Noah and his family to put down their tools and, and step into this new season, step into this new time of life on the ark. After, after decades of working and seeing results from their labor, it was now time to move in. It was now time to step in. I imagine this moment is a sort of a, a climax to their preparations. It was the moment where they, they stopped everything that they had been doing and remembered that the outcome was never up to them, only God. But, but here's the truth. Or here's a truth. It's often these moments, the, the moments of stillness, the, the moments of waiting, 
that's harder than the moments of working. Why? Because when you're working, you can feel a certain amount of control. That God has called me to do this thing. So as long as I'm doing this thing, I know I'm doing something for God. But in the stillness, in the waiting, your part is done as you, as you wait on the Lord. There's a lot of uncertainty that comes with stillness and a, a lot of patience that must be exercised in the waiting. Most of us don't do great with those things. Because here's, again, something I want to highlight for us in this story. Now, now that we're at verse 7, who's moving into the ark? Noah and his family, right? Who isn't on the ark yet? All the animals. You know what hasn't happened yet? The rain. The flood. Noah's built this ark, and, and once it's built, God says the first thing that you need to do is you need to go and get on the boat. Noah was in control of the building of the boat, but now God says, I need you to trust me. And one of the great miracles that was going to need to happen was for God to bring all the animals to this boat, to this ark. But God commands Noah, go into the boat first. Before the miracle, Noah had to get on the boat. I imagine that if I was Noah, I would want to see the animals get on the boat first. That I, I, would, I would want to want to see God bringing the animals and getting on the boat. And just kind of, God, I'll, I'll be the last one to get on, Okay. Just so I know that everything that you said that's supposed to take place, I can be pretty confident that, that it's going to happen. Or, or at least, could you have the animals all lined up? So, so I know that they're here. So I know that what you said is going to take place. Maybe a couple of raindrops. Just, just a little bit of an assurance that like, yes, that this thing is, is going to happen. That, that Noah could have built a ark without God, but God, just so I know that this is really true and right, that, that I, I'm not crazy, God, could you, could you do something before I take my whole family and move on there? And I think for, for most of us, that's, that's what we want. When, when it comes time to step out in faith, we want to step out in a reasonable faith. God, if you're wanting me to do that, then God, what I need is for you to do this. I need to know before I do anything, God, that you'll hold up your end of the bargain. So God, here's my terms. God, I did my part. I built this gigantic boat. But before I take my family on there and, and just trust that this is going to work, God, I need you to show me that I won't look stupid when that happens. I need to know I didn't build this boat for no reason. That my family, I'm going to drag my family on there and we're going to sit. And God, I need to know that we're not just going to sit in there for a month 
and then sheepishly have to come walking back out because I thought I had heard from you. But it turns out I was wrong. God, would you give me some kind of assurance that this is real? But that's, that's not what God had for Noah. He needed his faithfulness in building the ark, and he needed Noah's faithfulness in entering the ark. In trusting that God would do what God said he would do, even if it's impossible. Now, something that I, I want us to take away from this is that I don't think there's anything wrong with seeking to understand why God wants to do something in you or through you. There's no harm in trying to understand why God allowed something to happen. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with trying to understand why he's brought you to the season that he's brought you into. Abraham did that. When, when Abraham's wife was told that she was going to have a baby, she laughed. She couldn't understand what God was possibly saying. Moses struggled with understanding what God was doing. In fact, he tried to talk God out of using him and saying, God, you've got the wrong guy. Here's all the reasons why I'm the wrong guy. David did that. So many of the Psalms, Psalms David wrote said things like, God, what, why? Why have you let me down? Psalm 10 begins this way. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Peter struggled with understanding God. Jesus would say to the disciples, we're going to Jerusalem, and, and when we get there, I'm going to die. And Peter would stand up in front of all of the disciples and say, no. You're wrong. See, seeking to understand God's will and his plans and purposes, it's not wrong. But what we have to do, what we have to understand, the, the place where faith becomes faith, is that whether or not we understand it, if God commands it, we need to trust him and listen to his words. If we believe he's the almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the savior of the world, and that his word and promises are true, then we need to listen to his words to us. Even if we don't understand what to do, even if we don't understand what he's commanded, even if it disrupts our lives, even if it takes us out of our comfort zone or, or causes us to shake up how we think and what we feel about a certain something. See, God's will for Jesus was to go to the cross and save, save us. And, and while Jesus asked for the cup to pass, he was obedient to his father and gave his life for us, and we remember that in communion this morning. If we trust God, we must trust what He's commanding or the seasons that He's calling us into that are for our good and for His glory. We must trust regardless of how we feel or 
or what we feel like we would want to do. And yet, we see this amazing example again in Noah as he faithfully walks into the ark with his family and waited for the Lord to do all that he he said he would. Chances are our lives will always be filled with times and seasons of tasks and steps of obedience. No, No matter the stage of life where we find ourselves. But there will also be seasons where we've done all we can do. And we're called to just wait on the Lord. Wait on his promise and wait on him to do what he said he would do. Let's go back to our story and see how this this plays out. Verse 8. Pairs of clean and unclean animals of birds and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. After the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. This is just, this is exactly what God said he was going to do. And now we're seeing this, this walk out. Verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth and the floodgates of heaven were opened and rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his children, they all entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kinds. Every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, every bird according to its kind, everything with wings. Pairs of all creatures that move beneath the, or beneath of Pairs of all creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. We see God ask Noah to step out in faith and trust him. And then we see the testimony of God doing everything that God said he would do. But I want to highlight for you the last part of what we, what we just read. I find this to be one of the most interesting tidbits, and it's what we're going to close our time with this morning about the flood story. The very last part we just read. Then the Lord shut him in. The Lord closed the door. The door to the ark, everything had happened that just the way that God had said... But Noah wasn't the one to come and pull up the ropes and close the door. God shut him in. Noah had no control over when the door would open or when the door would close. He had no control over when he would exit the ark. You see, the ark contained only one door, one way to salvation. And that way was through God and controlled By God. The Lord sealed Noah and his family in and kept them safe. Noah couldn't save himself. He couldn't take credit for the salvation of mankind. All he could do was trust in the Lord to save him. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus will say this I am the door. 
If anyone enters by my name, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. In John chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus will say, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Like with the ark, God opened the doors of salvation by sending his Son. His Son who is the way, the truth, and the life. The only path to peace, the only road to heaven. Once we walk through the door and enter into the ark of salvation, we are sealed by the Spirit, giving control over to him to guide us, to maneuver us, and to safeguard us. Noah and his family walked through the door by faith, and God was with them. They entered and were saved from God's righteous judgment and wrath. Likewise, in Christ, we are saved from God's righteous judgment and wrath. Judgment we deserve, wrath we've earned a million times over. But we've passed through the door and God has sealed it. The ark was God's instrument of salvation for Noah and his family. The ark kept Noah and his family safe from the waters of God's judgment. And for us, we have a greater instrument of salvation. One who offers ultimate salvation in whom we find eternal security in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you... Reign above it all, God, as we sang this morning, that, that you are infinite and eternal. You are omniscient and all-powerful. God, I thank you that in everything that exists, God, you have control over all of it. And God, I pray for each one of us. God, as, as there are some here who, who may struggle with the place they find themselves in, where, where they find themselves waiting on you, where they find themselves waiting on, on the hand of the Lord to do something. God, I pray that as we read through this story of Noah and we see your faithfulness, God, may your faithfulness to Noah speak to our need for your faithfulness today. God, may as we see your word come to fruition to Noah, God, may that fill us with, with hope and belief that your word will come to fruition for us. God, I thank you that you saved Noah. God, I thank you that you'll save us. And God, I thank you that just as you saved Noah, God, you provided the ultimate salvation for us in your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that as we walk through our life, as we walk through the story of everything that we deal with in our lives, God, may the confidence and the assurance that we have that you watch over, protect, and guide us. God, may, may we not think that's great he sent Jesus, but. But may we look at our life and our circumstance and everything we face, and may we say, but he sent Jesus.
And God, may that impact the way we view ourselves, view our world, view our circumstance. God, you, you sealed them in to keep them safe. And God, I thank you that each one here has been sealed by your Holy Spirit. Each one who names the name of Jesus has been sealed by your Holy Spirit. And you will watch over them and keep them safe. God, we thank you for the promises that we find inside your word. May we live and believe like your promises are true. We love you, Jesus, and we're so grateful for your protection in our lives. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Rain, rain on my face. Hasn't stopped. Thanks again for being a part of this message from Hillside Church. We pray that God was able to speak to you through what was shared. We're so grateful to be able to share God's word with our church community and family, and that includes you. And we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hillside Airdrie. You can contact us through email at info at hillsideairdrie.ca, or you can go to hillsideairdrie.ca and click on contact us from the main menu. Or you can find our pastoral team contact by clicking on Our Pastors from the Our Church drop-down menu. Our vision for everyone that shares in Hillside Church is that they would know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power in their lives. And we pray this message ministered to you. At Hillside Church, we're a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. As family we go. Drowning.